You're tuned in to Chuck Rock 83.1 FM. (laughs) Well, I've never heard Sakarina do that voice. That's surprisingly uh, effective. Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast, episode 22, a select button guide in podcast. Every week we select three games at random and you get to vote on which one we play. This time you picked Pilot Wings, no surprise, uh, and we'll be discussing it using the five standardized metrics for scoring a video game, which are vanity, mystery, poetry, harmony, and gun. I'm your host, Virtual Clint. I'm your co-host, Career Rice. And today we are joined by... Thank you for selecting our flight club over the many other aviation schools that are available. I'm one second before. Hard to follow that, but I'm Sakarina. <laughs> I forgot. Chickens cannot fly. I am Talpa. <laughs> um... So before we really get started, I want to mention that we have a Patreon page. If you like our podcast, you can uh, donate or not donate. Give us a dollar or all the way up to like a hundred bucks. You get things like at five dollars, you can join the uh, Discord server and hang out with us at twenty five dollars. You can dictate games for us to play. If you're the first person at that uh, level, then you'll get to pick every third game we play, for Christ's sake. Why hasn't anybody done this yet? Um, anyway, and uh, yeah, you could even start on a podcast yourself, so go check it out, patreon.com forward slash snexploration, SN Exploration. So let's talk about Pilot Wings. It's a flight simulator game, sort of loosely. Uh, it was released in 1990 in Japan, which was shortly after the Super Nintendo was released. It was released in 1991 in North America as a launch game and 1992 in PAL territories for some reason. Um, you're, the goal in this game is to meet certain challenges, go through rings, do good landings, weird stuff like that. Not weird, but uh, while using one of the four modes of transport provided, which are skydiving, a, a light plane, which is really just like a biplane, rocket belt which for the longest time I thought was real because of this game, and the hang glider. Um, There's also a helicopter, but nobody wants to talk about that. Um, There's also a penguin suit. There is also a penguin suit, which I completely forgot about, but we'll get into that. Um, It was developed internally by the Nintendo EAD team. Uh, I kind of think it was probably pitched as a as a mode 7 game basically like between mario kart f-zero and this like there's a lot of mode 7 stuff going on early in the uh super nintendo's history the music was composed by uh soya soyo oka uh she also composed music for mario kart and the super nintendo version of sim city and it hasn't composed anything beyond the super nintendo unfortunately but uh yeah very talented so she is awesome Yeah. (laughs) Um, I asked everybody to play an hour. Um, How far did you get and how long did you play? I played this for an hour and a half and uh, I wasn't able to beat it because it's impossible and no one has ever beaten this game. And that's the truth. I played for maybe about an hour, hour and a half, and I got to Big Al's first mission and I was completely incapable of passing i tried a few times it got a little bit too difficult at that point this is a tough game i played for about half an hour because i've been really busy this week and i made it 
to the second set of um, missions, and I basically got good store good scores on two out of three of them and then i would always catastrophically fail the third and then i decided to give up and go play the salary man game instead because it seemed more interesting <laughs> i played for i want to say five hours i am the only one on this podcast who deserves to talk about this game because i have my gold pilot wings but did you get perfect scores on all the events because that's what I know I didn't I got uh, I played about an hour and a half I'd say uh, and I got through to I got to level six out of seven I think there's seven total is that right no eight yeah there's eight total so I got to six but um, eight is the easiest one in in the game pretty much which is hilarious so here's the question if you um, get your silver wings. Does that count as beating the game? See, I wouldn't I, say so, but I did get my silver wings. I and would I won. 100% say so. You think so? Okay, well then I beat the game because I got my silver wings. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I genuinely think of expert mode is optional in this game. It's a new game plus. It is, basically. Yeah. It's like uh, you saying that you're lorded in it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like saying basically that like uh, you wouldn't consider Legend of Zelda beaten unless you've done the second quest. Yeah, I think the that, only reason that's how I look at uh, expert mode. Yeah, I think the only reason you you might not say that is because this game is so short. Um, you know, five hours to beat the whole game is pretty short. I'd say so. Um, you could you could blast and, through this whole game in about an hour. Very five hours, very casually. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So there we go. I also played this game a lot when I was a kid. My dad had it and he loved the hell out of this game. Um, so yeah, I actually feel like I had a leg up there because this was like riding a bike, getting back on that and being able to get mediocre scores to pass. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. So, but yeah, let's talk about our first topic, which is gun. This game has gun. I thought it did not have gun, but it turned out to have gun. Has a lot of yes, gun. Yes, it very literally has gun. When you beat the game, you get to shoot Big L. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Uh, you know, Big L would be more likely to shoot you, let's be honest. I think that's true. No. Big Al is brought to tears with how uh, courageous and amazing you are. Especially because he is not a natural flight instructor. He's not. So this <laughs> this is more poetry and and uh, and vanity. But there are four flight instructors, one for each of the the main levels, and then you see them again, and they all have these wonderful facial expressions when you do poorly, when you do well. It's it's really quite great. And Big Al's like the hard ass of the group, but is literally moved to tears. He can be moved to tears just when you get a perfect score on a light plane exercise. <laughs> like he's he's a softy at heart, even though he's a fraud. But yeah, he's a soft fraud aesthetic. 
So yeah, this game is a uh, series of flight tests. Pretty much it's framed as you've joined a flight club and you are going through various tests to get your license. So uh, there are different events that you can play uh, that you have to get through um, with each instructor. So first you start with Tony, who is the Diddy Kong of the group. And uh, Tony has you do a light plane uh, flight and a parachuting. Later on, you get to do um, hang gliding, uh, helicoptering, and uh, ah, help me out. Oh, jetpack gliding. Yeah, the rocket belt. Like, I genuinely, when I was a kid, thought that rocket belts were real because of this game. I, I mean, it just seems so normal. Like, you're just, they're just like, hey, you know, let's go hang gliding. Let's try out the rocket belt. They don't make any sort of motions towards this being a totally non-existent technology that is essentially impossible. <laughs> Pilot Wings was a very forward-thinking science fiction piece. Uh, so the manual actually addresses the... Uh, fictionality of the rocket belt and according to the manual this shit's real it says originally only an air vehicle in science fiction the rocket belt began to become popular for aerial stunts after being demonstrated at the 1984 olympics in los angeles although the sport is still young the flight club is taking a pioneer role as the only organization offering a rocket belt course anywhere in the country incredible wow that's cool by the way, uh, one second before, when you said earlier that one of them is the Diddy Kong, all I think was, he's finally here performing for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tony. The first member of the Pilot Wings crew. He's a big softy and he cries a lot. But you know that he loves to take those shots because he's a drunk. Tony. Tony Kong. <laughs> Oh god. So yeah, this game is 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 very gun in a couple of ways, but I, I do feel like they put a lot of effort into a sort of arcadey simulation of things like aerodynamics and you know, uh flying a plane and like it it feels real enough to be somewhat intuitive uh without being super difficult um i especially feel like the and and tulpa i when when you were streaming uh you you kind of mentioned this i especially feel like the light plane the bike plane uh is it feels the most like you're actually piloting something in the real world like you have to worry a lot about your uh your momentum and how much you're putting into the throttle and you know you can even stall out it's it's interesting i think wind's a factor Wind yeah, can wind, be a factor. Wind is a factor. It's mostly a factor in the expert stage. Um, less than six or seven. Seven. That makes sense because as far as I got it, it wasn't something that was uh, in the forefront of my mind. It, I gotta say, this is the most physics-based uh, Super Nintendo game I've ever played. And the physics of it are like surprisingly well thought out and well implemented considering this was a launch game um the manual has for each um vehicle that you can drive it's got like schematics and graphs and vectors that like show you exactly how the physics work and it is surprisingly advanced yeah and they that's not to say that this game is intimidating in any way because this is still very much an arcadey flight game so it's it's just very approachable as far as those guys, it's not a serious sim. It's like baby's first flight sim if baby were pretty good 
at uh, flying fake plane. Yeah, like it, it is approachable, and especially the first lessons really ease you into it. Um, like basically the the first light plane thing, you don't even have to take off. You're just basically flying in a straight line and trying to land. Um, and landing, of course, is always the hardest part in any of these. I especially have a very difficult time landing the fucking light plane. <laughs> just crash that thing all the goddamn time. It's great. Yeah, landing the hang glider was the hardest for me. Um and landing my body in the parachuting was pretty rough. But uh, yeah, I agree. This is very approachable. And uh, it's interesting because it strikes a balance. It is very approachable, but it also has depth to it. I noticed that um, reading the manual actually made me a better player. So there's enough going on uh, under the surface that you can like build up skills at it. Yeah, like my dad got really good at this game. Like he was able to get perfect scores and land on the bonus things and all the time. And and he, he, there's definitely a curve there where you can get really good, but you can also usually you can skate through with mediocre scores because the way that it works is that you have two to four uh events that you have to do and then you have to get a total score you have to surpass a total score so if it's you know 140 and you have two events you could get 70 on both or you could get 100 on one and 40 on the other you can skate through without being perfect on each of them so uh, which i think is nice there's actually even the possibility of skipping events entirely like for instance in the first expert level which was five i managed to I, I took the skydiving one i got through all the rings managed to land on the moving target and then that brought me to a bonus game where i got a, an extra 40 points which met the total of 140 i didn't even have to fly a plane which was my goal because <laughs> i hate that plane I like the implication that at this flight school, if you want extra credit, you have to put on the penguin suit and jump to your death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that game? Like, if you land on certain targets in, in uh, Rocket Belt, Hang Glider, or, or Skydiving, you get to do a bonus game, which is you put on a penguin suit and dive into a giant pool, and it's ridiculous. There are actually two bonus games. There's three. Game, this game. Oh, uh, is there one for hang gliding too? I, I only ever landed on the target with uh, rocket belt and skydiving. There's the penguin, there's a birdman, and there's another birdman that is like a different suit. So it's what, like. Is it a different suit or just a different stage? Because there are two stages for the birdman. I believe it's both. Um, because there's the first one is the birdman where you're bouncing on top of things and. I think the second has less of a duck look to it. It looks more like an actual like uh like seagull or hawk or something and you it's about distance flying. Okay, I, I never got the third one, I guess. I think that one is the one you get if uh, you land on the bonus stage with hang gliding. Uh which bonus game you play is based on uh what you use to land on the bonus uh panel? Oh, that's interesting. I, I had forgotten that. But now that you mentioned the Birdman, I do remember that. I, I remember my dad playing around with the Birdman in the original Pilot Wings. Oh, it's so weird because this came completely to a surprise as a surprise to me this time. Like I landed on that that uh, moving target just because I wanted a perfect score. And then it's like, oh, dive off this thing. You're a penguin now. I com had completely fucking forgotten it. So that's really interesting. I yeah. wish you could play the bonus stages without having to land on the bonus things, honestly, because... They're, they're weird enough that you kind of need to practice them. 
Uh, yeah, I, I really liked uh, the bonus dance, and they also came to me as a complete surprise uh, because uh, of the same thing. I got to the expert stage, and I wanted the high score, and I landed on uh, I landed on the uh, bonus panel, and was uh, shocked that I was now in a penguin suit. <laughs> Yeah, imagine if you were in a flight school in real life, right? And you accomplish a very rare feat in one of your tests. Uh, Big Al, this burly, mustachioed, aviator glasses-wearing man, pulls you aside and says, it's time. He takes you to the closet. He pulls out a rumpled old penguin suit worn by the years, and he makes you put it on, and he makes you jump into a pool, and that's how he gets his kicks. (laughs) <laughs> I, I want to make clear for the people listening that when we say penguin suit, I, we do not mean a tootsie. We mean uh, penguin first. You, you broke up for a second there. You, we do not mean a what? You have to wear a big furry animal penguin suit. Yes, yes, exactly. We do not mean uh, we do not mean a tuxedo. Uh, we mean uh, a penguin for a suit. Right, I forgot that that can be taken non-literally. Yes, <laughs> very literally you, li- you dress up as a penguin. You can live out both of your fantasies in this game. All two of them. The fantasy oh, of being verbally abused by a kind-hearted but rough... Uh, man named Big Al and the fantasy of wearing a penguin suit. Isn't it ironic that uh, when you fly extremely well, you're treated to wearing the guise of a bird that can't fly? It's actually a very deep game. (laughs) There's a lot of subtext here. (laughs) Um, So I'm curious what your favorite events were. I'm partial to the rocket belt simply because I find it much easier than the other kinds of things. Um, specifically landing, that thing is way easier than like the hang glider, the light plane, or parachuting. Um, but what, what are other people's favorite events to, to, to do in this? I think I like skydiving because I've always liked falling in games, even though I'm very bad at skydiving um, in this game. I I just... it's It's neat seeing... It's neat in all the events seeing how the mode seven is stretched around to its limit, but here I particularly like how it works. Um, I liked being berated by Al the first time I decided to just suicide drop to the bottom, put a hole in the ground, and then his response was just a bunch of ellipses and then splat. <laughs> Just mocking my death. Yeah, you are dead. If you don't open that parachute, you turn into a freaking hole in the ground. And you're just dead. And he's like, ha, splat. I like the um, the light plane the best. It's really hard. You know, it's frustrating sometimes, but the way it controls feels really good, especially the speed control. You can increase or decrease your speed as you're flying, and it uh, alters, like, not just how fast you're going, but also the way that your turns work and um, your uh, your pitch and your yaw or whatever. I don't know my aviator terms, but uh, and it affects your landing. So there's like, I don't know, you can really feel it when you go faster or slower. It's it's pretty cool. I'm technically the best at landing the light plane, but my favorite is the rocket belt. 
Um, and I thought while I was playing it, they reminded me of something. And I found out that what it reminded me of was Super Mario Sunshine, because effectively Super Mario Sunshine is also a rocket belt game, except it's water propelled instead of whatever this is propelled by. Whoa, you're right. Yeah, that's a good call. That actually, it does feel a lot like this. Uh, yeah, my favorite was definitely the light plane. Uh, also, I never had any problems flying the light plane. See, like, I think part of the problem I have with the light plane is I'm not very patient, so I'm trying to make turns really quickly, and that thing doesn't turn quickly. And, like, <laughs> and landing, you got to have the right angle, and I have a really hard time just deciding when do I, you know, turn and how do I get in the straight angle on the, the uh, whatever, the landing strip. Like, I'm just really bad at it. But I, I put that down to, to lack of patience. But And the rocket belt is perfect for that, because the rocket belt is second to second modifying your uh, momentum. And the wind is really, really a huge impact uh, on the rocket belt in particular. Um, and so you have to really adjust your trajectory very, very often, very quickly. But you can adjust it very quickly, whereas the light plane, I think you have to plan ahead. Not my strong suit. So <laughs> um, I, it is it is not shocking at all to me that the hang glider is not anybody's favorite because it's 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 kind of it's kind of a mixture between uh, parachuting and the light plane, but it's not as fast as a light plane, and it's not as like interesting, honestly, as parachuting. Like it, it just doesn't do either very well. Um, it is kind of neat hitting the uh, heat. What are those called? The thermals, the air thermals, uh, that push you like way up into the skies here at like 200 feet and you'll be all the way up at like 500 feet in like three seconds. That's kind of a neat feeling. But other than that, I don't have any love for the hang glider. Spider, unfortunately, uh, fails to uh, really feel interesting or distinct enough from the light plane to actually be worth it. Uh, the one thing I can say in its favor is that figuring out how to land the, the hand glider on your own without looking at the manual uh, was very satisfying for me. It was yeah. satisfying for me, too, because Tulpa told me how to do it. What's the trick, Tulpa? Because I'm always really bad at it. You just, you just hold the, the uh, A button or the stall button or whatever. Oh, okay. Because I have the problem of, like... I'll hold it for too long and then start dropping almost completely vertically. Um, and then I have, then when I let go, I'm going too fast and I fly past the thing. Like, I'm just terrible at it. Yeah, it takes a little bit of practice, but it's not that hard. But then again, I am the pilot wings expert, so. You are the Lord Gamer. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like, I actually really like landing the, um, uh, parachute which is very similar to the hang glider but it's not as fast um, even though it I, I think part of the reason is because I can retry it very quickly because usually what I'll do is uh, okay another mechanical thing so you've let's say you've got four events you need to complete like for Big Al um, when you finish one of them your score is locked in and you can choose to retry or continue and so but if you finish three of them and you're like I can't finish this last one when you retry it resets everything so the best strategy is to try the one that is the hardest for you or the one that is going to net you the most points and try to just perfect it so that's what i always did with the uh parachute was i would do that one first over and over and over again until i got the most 
difficult landing spot, get the most points out of it. And then the rest of them, now I don't have to get more than like 60 points at a go. So as long as I don't crash, which I do a lot anyway, um, then I'm fine. So it's it's kind of an interesting, it's fairly forgiving, but does like you do have to have some strategy in the way that you approach the event. So I think that's why I like parachuting the best is because I can retry it over and over and over. It takes like 45 seconds to do a parachuting event. There's kind of a nice uh, heads-up display at the top of the screen. Um, you've got a radar uh, that shows you where, I guess, um, targets are and stuff like that, and your uh, rings that you've got to go through to get points. There's a a thing that I didn't understand that like has to be based on actual airplane um, HUDs or something. That's this circle that has a, a weird tilting... like. Uh, plane not like airplane but plane like geometry like a weird tilting plane that uh moves around as you turn around um there's something that shows your altitude there's something that shows your speed i guess a speedometer there's something that shows you the time you have remaining or actually the time that you've elapsed and there is a fuel gauge which i never ever got close to running out of did anyone here ever run out of fuel yes uh, on the rocket belt because I spent too long hovering above the goal trying to land on the bonus. What happened? Oh, I, I just dropped out of uh, the air and drowned. Uh, that's all. <laughs> just dropped out of the air and drowned. Um, yeah, that uh, the HUD thing for the light plane and for the hang glider, I'm, I'm, I had to look up the words, but it tracks your roll and your pitch. So the left to right rotation and the up and down rotation all in one circle thing and yeah it is like something you would see on a real plane i believe um, yeah you, you do not have any yaw in this game which would be the rotation if you are looking from uh, looking at a top-down view it'd be the left to right rotation wouldn't that just be looking at your compass because the compass points out the landing area and then north i believe so yaw would be tracked on your compass sort of it would be if you could yaw in this game, but you cannot. Oh, because you can actually do that in planes and just turn left to right without using your roll to do that. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Yes. And you can do that in many flight sims that came after this and some that came before this, but on PC, which are generally much more realistic and thus much harder. Yeah, this game has informed my view of airplanes, essentially, because I haven't really played any other uh, flight sims. They're not my thing. So as far as I'm concerned, the only thing planes that exist are biplanes. <laughs> uh, we need to talk about the helicopter stage. Um two stages of helicopter which i am loath to do because i hate them but once you finish four stages uh everybody gets kidnapped except big al by a fictional terrorist group named evil e-v-i-l all caps never explained what the hell that stands for um and you have to go rescue them in a helicopter by bombing a bunch of shit. And it's fucking miserable. As far as I'm concerned, maybe somebody else liked it, but I hated it. I watched a long play and it looked really fun, but uh, I didn't actually do it myself. So it's probably a lot more uh, annoying than it looks. I was out for a minute. Have we discussed the uh, Game Center CX episode or rather mentioned it? Not yet. No. Uh, it go ahead. Sorry. 
No, sorry. Um, I was just going to say for the listeners at home, if you enjoy Game Center CX, then I recommend checking out the Pilot Wings episode slash episodes because I believe at one point Arino um, plays through uh, the ending of it live, and it's it's very it's a very good episode or so. Um, if you don't enjoy Game Center CX, reconsider your life. <laughs> But yeah, the helicopter stage is indeed miserable, and I think it's primarily because there is margin for error in it. Yeah, like because what you're doing is flying this helicopter, and there are things on the ground shooting at you, which is kind of a neat effect. Um, and if you get hit by even one shot, that's it, game over. But uh, you you can bomb them, which is slow and tedious, but you can do it. And um, you, it's just very slow. Like the whole thing is very slow, and then one shot ends it. And it feels like nothing else in the game. You're not dealing really with momentum. You're not really controlling something that's a bit finicky, like the rocket belt. You're not dealing with your throttle, controlling your forward momentum, like the light plane. You're just basically moving this thing around and bombing stuff, trying not to get hit by things. Um, I ended up, I tried to do a pacifist run of not bombing anything. It didn't quite work, but you can, at least in the first one, basically skip the first section by sort of flying somewhat erratically and you don't have to to bomb any of the the turrets on the ground which saves a bunch of time uh but you do have to bomb the ones around the landing zone because otherwise you'll get shot but yeah it's just so slow can the helicopter drift <laughs> yes i mean that's technically how helicopters move <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of figured that out as soon as i said it <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, I feel like there there is momentum physics. It's just uh, this is the one case where the nicest Mode 7 effects on the Super Nintendo are just not up to the task of making you feel like you are piloting a helicopter. Whereas for all of the other uh, events in this game, it, it can feel like a, a, an approximation of the real thing, I guess, except for rocket belts, which are not real. Yeah. Hey, it was in the Olympics, Tulpa. <laughs> the Olympics aren't real. Th- yeah, those aren't real. The Olympics are a conspiracy. Uh, what do Have you, you ever met an Olympic athlete in your life? Have you ever seen oh, two no. Olympic athletes in the same room together? <laughs> oh, no, you're right. The Olympic rings are actually flat. <laughs> um, what do you think would happen if you got the Drift King into a helicopter? Oh, he would fuck that shit up. He'd be so good. Why He'd just fly that shit in circles? Yeah, why aren't there uh, helicopter drift races? Because the fastest, fastest way is. I mean, there's all right. Um, yeah, no, your point of it not utilizing mode seven in any interesting way is, is very true. And I hadn't considered that because like with every other, uh, mode you're seeing other, I guess not parachuting You're ju- no, you are, you do see different perspectives of the ground, but the helicopter is simply top down, perfectly top down, whether or not you're, you know, leaning forward or backwards. It's, it's, it's very silly. Uh, it, it it's, 
it feels like it was put into it to because kids would get bored with a flight simulator. That's what it feels like to me. I feel like the best use of the mode seven in this game is probably the light plane because you treat it as an actual like land to land upon. Whereas uh, when in terms of things like the the rocket belt and other things, it's more like a flat platform. Whereas with the plane, when you like turn left and right, you have to consider the the horizon and um, what angle you're coming at it from. Um, though uh, the rocket belt is a bit benefited by having uh, changeable viewpoints, that helps uh, reinforce a, a three dimensional space approximation. Yeah, the the rocket belt lets you see from a sort of oblique angle kind of above or to see directly above to assist in landing. It's the only one where you can change the camera angle uh, independently of the vehicle. One of the bonus ones with the bird suit lets you as well. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So one of the things that stands out to me about the helicopter levels is that it really feels like someone at Nintendo really liked Xevious and they were like, let's put a Xevious level in the middle of this game for no reason. And like even some of the designs of the stages remind me of Xevious levels, except in mode seven. He really does have a Xevious vibe, like bombing stuff on the ground. Uh, I was wondering if maybe that level was like a holdover, like maybe originally they wanted to make a uh, more military, you know, combat Xevious type of game and they couldn't really make it work out, but they kept the helicopter. I don't know. I, I just think 100% that uh, they included the helicopter because uh, they uh, they were anxious that people would be bored uh, by a video game where you don't uh, shoot anything. Yeah, it feels like an anxiety thing to me. I, I, okay, so by the way, well, no, you've got some cutting room floor stuff later for Curry, so but that may answer some of these questions. So, um, but yeah, no, it definitely, I, even as a kid, I felt like, like I thought that the shooter levels were cool as a kid and like that's the funniest thing is as an adult i I, they suck and i i remember my dad being like why the hell do you care about the helicopter levels in fact i remember him letting me play those because a i was better at them and b i enjoyed them and which really was just because i had a button to shoot missiles your dad always struck me as more of a train and butter kind of person (laughs) yeah Look, okay, I've been playing Factorio a lot, and I'm getting really into the trains in that game, and it's kind of disturbing to me. I just want to say that. Oh, God. The the trauma setting in. Yep. <laughs> but the trains are so fucking cool. Anyway, that's a whole different podcast, so... Um, but yeah, what what else do we have for, for gun for this game? It's a pretty gun-heavy game, so I'm sure there's other things to talk about. Or not. That's fine. <laughs> uh, let me think. What other gun things were... I mean, uh, the expert stage... Expert stages vary things up in minor ways, so they're not completely uh, without merit. They're just not as interesting to me just because their entire gimmick is just about harder. Uh, but they introduce uh, uh, weather, like rain and uh, uh, high winds, and they also let you fly around in, in night mode. And uh, night mode, at least, is not really a gun subject. That's uh, that's more a uh, uh, vanity thing to talk about. 
Has anyone played the other Pilot Wings games on other platforms? Because I feel like the Super Nintendo version, if you get stuck on a level, uh, you basically can't progress. And I feel like that could be one of the big complaints about this game. And it seems like modern Nintendo, it really is opposed to having games that just block your progress in any significant way if you're not skilled enough to get past it. So I, I was wondering if the 64 and the 3DS versions were like, gave more freedom to the players as to which activities they want to do when and how the level structure is laid out. I haven't played any of the others, but um, what I have heard about them is I heard that the uh, they both kind of lean into the um, relaxing vibe of the games because this Super Nintendo game, it really acts like it's going to be a relaxing, like chill game where you just get to fly around and have a nice time. The music is relaxing, like you're in a flight club, you're just learning how to fly, but then you're like put through these horrible challenges. Uh, I get the impression that the N64 and 3DS ones are more like uh, what you'd expect of just being able to chill. Um, I also heard that the N64 one has a little bit of exploration added in because people, when you're in a 3D environment, you can fly around, you just want to do some exploring. Yeah, I I played a ton of Pilot Wing sixty four. Sorry, Topa, you have something to say? Go ahead. Oh, I, I just want to say, what do you mean? Uh, the challenges aren't relaxing. There's no tense moments in this game, except the helicopter stages. They're just hard. They're tense because they're hard. No, they're not. <laughs> the light plane is very <laughs> fucking hard, Topa. You're just like really good at it. <laughs> No, I would say that Pilot Wing 64 is funny because instead of the overall event where you have to get three, two to four things down to pass, um, it does split it out into separate events. And then you have to have like a, I, if I remember correctly, you can replay the same thing over and over to get a better score, but your total score is saved. Um, so you have to get like a, a certain score to beat it, but it doesn't reset every time you try again. That said, the last time I played Pilot Wing 64, I got stuck on a single hang glider stage that I could not complete uh, because it just wouldn't let me progress one, unless I beat this with some sort of uh, relatively good score. Uh, and I just couldn't fucking do it. So I got stuck. That one's much harder. Um, I also had Pilot Wings Resort on the 3DS. That one's relaxed as hell. It's a super chill game. And I think it's, it's, there's a loss there. Um, by not challenging you, there doesn't, it, it's not very interesting. Um, Pilot Wing 64 certainly does have an exploration element, particularly once you unlock the Birdman. The Birdman is just a free roam mode, essentially, that you can uh, view. You can basically hang out in all the different maps. And there's one map in particular that is called Little America, I think. And it's a tiny version of the United States. And it has so many weird little, like... Easter eggs, even like like you can go to Little America in in the with the rocket belt, and you can find gas stations in about four different places that will refuel you, so you can play forever. And there are even things that will teleport you from New York to California if you land in a certain part of a certain building. It's it's wonderful. I Pilot Wing sixty four is a wonderful game. That, that is, sounds awesome. Yeah, that's super cute. I would appreciate a modern Pilot Wings. I don't know anything about the 3DS one where you're allowed to just kind of fuck off and do whatever you want when you're not doing the tests. And the tests, the only thing that bar you from using like certain vehicles or upgrades to vehicles. 
I completely agree. Like just fucking off in a pi- in Pilot Wing 64 is wonderful. And they took that out in Pilot Wings Resort. It's a super chill game, but it doesn't have like a free roam mode essentially. And it's it's good. I like it, but it's not great. Pilot Wing 64 in my mind is a great game. So, uh, Nintendo give it the give it the Breath of the Wild treatment. Come on. Oh god. Yo, I would play the hell out of that. Yes, yeah, yes. I would Totally play just an open world explorer where you fly a plane. Why? Why isn't that actually a thing? Why isn't that a thing? Oh, that would be wonderful. I'm getting. I'm some devs are cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Any game devs listening to this, you're a coward. <laughs> they think the world ain't ready, but here I am, bitch. <laughs> Shit. All right. Any other gun stuff before we move on? I think I'm ready to move on unless anyone else had anything to say. Oh, uh, one gun thing, and this is just a complaint because of my preferences. Uh, I would have enjoyed this game far more if, uh, if the ratio of events was more heavily tilted towards the light plane, because that's all I want to fly. I don't care about anything else. And the I wish it was... The light plane's the only one that appears in every single trial. Yeah, but that still only means it's like a third of the events. <laughs> True having, having more types of light plane events would probably be better, I think, or at least like more variation on those things. I don't know. It's it's a small game. Did we did, did we figure out if it was a launch game or not? It was a launch game of the U.S. It was released shortly after the Super or the Famicom in japan it wasn't a launch game in japan though hmm okay that's okay your mileage may vary on what you think about that i consider that to count yeah it's pretty close like i think it was like six months or something so not not one a month, huge difference one month systems launch that totally counts oh that yeah. absolutely counts yeah definitely i uh for it being a launch slash basically launch game that it i think it's very competent and quaint for what it does and competent and quaint are two good things to uh juggle i agree yeah and it, between this and f0 they're they're both very excellent demonstrations of mode 7 uh this one especially really leans into the 3d which i think we'll get into in the next the next section but i did want to mention one thing there's a little thing that i don't know if anybody knows you probably did but there's these weird little uh bubble looking things on the map i don't know what the fuck they're supposed to be radar domes anyway you can bounce off of them when you're uh in in the rocket pack so it doesn't count against you and you can just go boing there's no fucking point to it and and it wait, destroys is in, them is that in 64 or this one this one what yeah wait. it destroys them wait you can bounce off of them but it doesn't give you a negative point total i think so because i i did it in the first event and it didn't give me any point uh deductions because you can land in the rocket belt on any land but it gives you negative two points uh except for the bouncy bubbles uh which are are wonderful i regret putting this game off because it feels like i did not get enough time to really relax and explore this game i'd like to point out that if you crash into the bubbles with your plane you don't bounce off (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a rock in fact, does not bounce off of anything. 
The plane is so fragile. That thing fucking collapses at a second's notice, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but yeah, okay. I, I'm comfortable moving on to our next category, because it's been 37 minutes, um, which is, of course, vanity. This game has got some nice vanity. It's yeah. same, this game is pretty much still unmatched for uh, visuals on the Super Nintendo. I I would agree. Like it's not beautiful sprite work. It's good. It's competent. It's not uh, perfect. But as far as putting you in a a place, I don't think there's anything on the Super Nintendo that matches it. Like I don't think you would see this kind of setting this feel of place anywhere except PC at the time uh, and it would take until the N64 when you could really kind of realize 3D uh, locales, that's not the word but 3D environments, there we go um, before you'd see something like this uh, on a Nintendo console at least that would be this this good looking and feeling Could this be the pilot wings of the Super Nintendo? <laughs> The Japanese box art for this game is the best box art on the Super Famicom. It's basically just a blue sky with one of the rings from the flight exercises in the air. And it totally gives you the sense that it's going to be this super chill game, which it mostly is, except for the fact that it's super difficult and also the helicopter stages. I think that um, most of the reason that people would get frustrated with the difficulty in this game is uh, feeling pressure to do it quickly. Because if you... Like, it's pretty relaxed. Um, even when it pressures you to do well, it's mostly like... Like, if you, if you fuck up one, you gotta do the tests over, but at max you have, like, four tests per level. And you just, it just gives you more time to replay the ones that you enjoy. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I do think this game is relatively chill. It's I, What I'm saying is that I think that either if someone rents it or if they're in our situation, which we had a week to play this, it puts uh, an amount of stress that isn't like appropriate for the environment to be playing this game. It's good to just really play this at your leisure. Is that the official Super Nintendo box? Yeah. Yeah, that's the official Super Nintendo box. It's very similar to the um, Japanese art. It's got pilot wings and this silly-looking silver font, and then the big green circle with one red circle above the eye for the dot, uh, which is very... There's a lot of implications there. It's, I, it's nice. I like how the, the American logo is... Um, similar but quite different from the Japanese one, but it's still extremely pretty in this like defined metallic um, sort of physicality to it. It's weird because the Japanese box art has three of the four Super Famicom colors on it. It has red for the hang glider that's in the sky. It has the blue for the sky. It has the green for the rings, but it has no yellow, whereas the Super Nintendo box art has all four because of the yellow uh, reflection on the font but it's irrelevant because the super nintendo was a purple monstrosity 
It's okay. the The logo also has purple and gray in it, or purple and silver. True. It has all aspects of the universe in it. <laughs> I hear if you zoom into the Pilot Wings logo, you can see a Metroid stage reflected in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's some deep Smash lore right there. <laughs> I had a lot of time on my hands when Smash Melee come out, came out. Oh, fuck. The uh, logo on the U.S. box art looks very uh, 50s, very 50s chrome, like something on a uh, old automobile or something. And um, that kind of fits in with the kind of there's kind of a 50s aesthetic to this game, right? Like you're just like in a flight club lounging around like nice music is playing and you're talking to these flight instructors. Like, I don't know. There's something 50s about it to me. I kind You're of buy 50. that. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> You're Big Al. Oh no, I've been caught. <laughs> I feel like this game is sort of close to uh, the Shigesato Itoi bass fishing game, except it's with airplanes, kind of. I I, I can't really separate the two uh, in my mind because they're just so chill in general, or at least the atmosphere they're going for are chill. I did not play the fishing game last time when we did that, like I think a month ago. Um, but I, uh, if that, if the boating and fishing in that game has the same or an approximate type of mood to Pilot Wings, then Jesus Christ, someone needs to translate that already so that I can just give up every other video game. <laughs> Yeah, it actually really is similar in the vibe. It really does take the same approach to fishing that this game takes to flying. I agree. Um, it's like both games are trying to uh, go beyond a simulation and kind of encompass a whole experience of being a part of a hobby, you know? So, so with this, this game, feel is not trying to be a simulation. It's it's. To- Doing that, uh, uh, Sid Meier's game design kind of thing of uh, representing the experience in a way that feels uh, accurate by disregarding anything that would uh, make the game not feel good. <laughs> I think that's pretty uh, pretty accurate way of describing the game, and I feel like the the thing where the the Etoy game differs is one, it is more chill. There doesn't seem to be a fail state in any way, and two, it's also way more technical in terms of having to know what fishing is and how to do it, and like different, very very specific things. So, um, but yeah, no, this is definitely the kind of game that takes out all the parts that don't feel good. And just says, fuck it, just take those out. Let's have an experience together. The music in this game is amazing. So as Clinton mentioned earlier, it's the same person that did the Super Mario Kart music and the SimCity music. To me, it really does sound kind of like a continuation of the SimCity soundtrack. But uh, perhaps even better, it's very relaxing. Um, it's all like slightly like two beats per minute faster than I want it to be though like especially the the main um light plane theme feels it it sounds to me like it's been sped up like the natural state of that song would be to relax and go slowly when it's when it doesn't i think maybe we have as a people it's too much vaporwave now we can't hear chill music without mentally slowing it down (laughs) 
<laughs> it may be. I was going to suggest, Tulpa, that you do a Vaporwave remake of that song if you feel like it. A remix, I should say. I I don't, honestly. Like it it wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel interesting to uh remix the Pilot Wings track because the Pilot Wings soundtrack is already pretty much perfect in my mind. Yeah. And it probably already has like ten Vaporwave remixes anyways. Yeah, it, it's too basic. <laughs> I want to say that um, this this is remarkable. Uh, the soundtrack is remarkable in spawning the only good OC remix uh, album, which is very good. And there's only five or I, actually, I think seven songs on it. So <laughs> I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, it, feel, it feels nice. It has the typical OC remix problems where they just have to add notes to make it differentiated somehow. But it, it is really nice. As someone who hasn't visited OCR in quite a while, I was not aware that was the uh, kind of problem. I haven't listened to it since I was in high school, but that makes sense. Yeah, I haven't. I, I at some point had downloaded a bunch of OC Remix albums, and most of them were not good. Um, not not terrible, just like, eh, I don't really care. I'd rather listen to the one-ups. Um, but yeah, that seems to be the problem is like to, to, to get on OC Remix, you have to somehow differentiate yourself from the original song. And to do that, you add notes, <laughs> which is only okay. It's funny that you mentioned the one-ups because they're actually local to the town I live in. No shit. Oh, I love the one-ups. I think one of them is actually a cousin to one of my closest friends. Like, and I've been to their shows and stuff. It's like, it's weird to hear other people mention them as a, like an internet famous thing, especially because I knew them as an internet famous thing before. I was like, oh, they're just here. What? (laughs) That's pretty great. (laughs) Uh no, I, the other other sort of vain vanity things I want to say about this game, it really leans into the 3D. Like, for instance, when you're doing parachuting, they don't just start you in a plane and then you fall down. What you actually do is start on the ground and you're holding you're holding a ladder and it flies you up, which is a, a, a cutscene that you can actually skip, um, but it does give a sense of of physicality to the world uh versus just being far above it and and then falling on into it um same with like the the light plane is very they they tend to either you're taking off which means you have a really low uh view of the world or they start you in flight and you have to you're seeing the whole map uh it really leans leans into the 3dness of it which i i really like you know considering uh, when this came out, it they probably could have completely gone away with if the um, skydiving just let you move around, like left, right, stuff like that. But the fact that you can lean forward and back in order to uh, affect how fast you're falling is really another level of uh, verisimilitude that improves the experience a whole lot. Because they didn't have to make it so you could go faster. They could have ignored that, and people would probably still be like, this is really good. But that really helps with the simulation aspect, I think. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> no, I agree. I was trying to let... I feel like I've just been talking a lot. Because <laughs> this is one of my favorite games. So, uh, But yeah, no, I agree. Like, the they... 
really leaned into the, I don't know, physical aesthetic, the feel of things and making sure that things felt somewhat realistic and that you were controlling them, not in a video gamey way, even though they are very video gamey, it doesn't feel like that. The new game plus levels look very pretty. Um, they add different weather effects and um, different times of day as you're flying around. Uh, my favorite was in, um, I think it was in Shirley's uh, stages. By the way, Shirley is the Dixie Kong of the group. Um, <laughs> She's it, finally here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's like, she says to you, like, you're going to fly right after a rainstorm. And, like, you go and you fly, and it's in the level with all the greenery, and uh, the sky is, like, cloudy and uh, gloomy, and it's it's just very pretty. You can smell the petrichor. You can, pretty much, yeah. I personally like Lance's hard mode stages, uh, which are at a purple and orange sunset, but that should surprise nobody that that's my favorite. <laughs> he is uh, the lanky Kong of the group. God damn it. <laughs> I, he does have a funny face. Um, I probably liked the winter stages best aesthetically because I'm just a sucker for winter in games. I'm like, I'm the one who has a lot of nostalgia for winter in the original harvest moon which has uh a song to it that's really really somber but also simultaneously like five seconds long probably and <laughs> <laughs> like it just loops from there over and over and it's like i mean mood but also jesus christ <laughs> come on <laughs> I, I want to talk about the instructors and their sprites because there's a lot of them. So before and after every event, you speak with your instructor for the set of events. And there's four. And um, each of them has a, a fairly wide variance of faces that they'll make at you. So if you do really badly, they tend to look angry at you. If you have a mediocre score, they look like, eh, whatever. If you have a good score, they tend to be happy. But there is a unique... Uh, face for all of them if you get basically a perfect score like lance for example who is a total piece of shit he hates you um look it, like his eyes are rolling around in his head like an old cartoon like he's so stunned that you could perform at all much less get a perfect score i mean it's 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 wonderful i i like the implications that the people these that this is a fraud school and that these people don't actually know anything about flying because Big Al is a motorcyclist, and after you pass... Big Al specifically says that he is not licensed to fly a helicopter, yet he's the one who forces you to fly one. <laughs> there seems to be an implication there that, like, it's... Okay, so it's the fact that as soon as you get a license, they're like, oh no, some of us have been kidnapped, you have to go save them. Are us, your instructors, who theoretically would know more than you can't do it and so it it kind of has this implied narrative that you've signed up for a school of flight that's run by frauds and you somehow despite everything uh learn how to become a, an effective pilot during it and so you have to be the one that uh picks up after everybody yeah actually there is a whole like deep shadow plot of this game there's I'm lore <laughs> there is lore to this game okay uh Lance in the manual. Hold on, let me bring it up. 
Well, I should say, uh, maybe this is poetry, but I we're on the subject, so I want to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the manual has a page that says, The Flight Club Inside Story. There are many unknown facts about the Flight Club, most notably facts about the founder and the head office. It is often called a mystery school, as no one knows for sure what goes on behind the scenes. So, And then this is what it says about Lance. A mysterious man who speaks fluently in six languages. It is rumored that he formerly was an Air Force pilot. Rumored. (laughs) It really shouldn't be rumored. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So my thinking is... It's rumored he's flown a plane before. (laughs) There's something up because, you know, all of your instructors get kidnapped by the evil syndicate. Um, And then it says, Big Al says to you, for political reasons, our military authorities cannot attempt to rescue. So they make you do it. And uh, then later in the New Game Plus, you have to do this again with the helicopter. And what Big Al tells you is that the evil syndicate uh, kidnapped his brother, who's a government VIP. And so you've got to go in and rescue the brother. But when you get there and you do the rescue the same sprites from the first mission come out and go into your helicopter, which are the sprites for all of the instructors, but only Big Al's brother needed to be rescued. So what's going on here? My thinking is that's not Big Al's brother. That's his like government body double. And those were the body doubles of all of the different instructors. You've accidentally joined some kind of espionage group that has a front as a flight club and clearly the man behind it is Lance, who was rumored to formerly be involved with the military. Uh, that's what's going on. And I think Big Al is, like, not involved. I think Big Al is, like, the civilian they got to, like, manage the flight club. <laughs> you could probably submit that to uh, the game theorists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's 100% accurate. The, like, there's plenty of indications that there uh, is far more than meets the eye about these... Uh, 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 flight instructors who would kidnap a bunch of flight instructors for an amateur flight club. Right? Like, what the hell is going on there? I think that leads us into our next topic nicely, unless we had any other uh, vanity stuff. Alright, cool. Then let's talk about our next topic, which is mystery. Crap, I blew it all. <laughs> I already said it all. That's fine. That's fine, because I really want to discuss this. <laughs> like, and I think, Curry, you might have some stuff to bring up here, too. But um. uh, Yeah, so in terms of mystery, uh, first, I found a thing on Game FAQs, if someone else doesn't want to do that. I know that one second before usually does the Game FAQ stuff. I did find some stuff, but go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that apparently in the secret section is listed... Uh, when you're doing the secret missions at night, you can just hold down the X button and the screen will light up so you can see what you're doing, which doesn't sound like a very good secret. It sounds like something you would probably just do on accident. <laughs> oh, I never found that, actually, because you don't need it at all, because you can see just fine. Yeah, that was my other that was my other bit of confusion there, because it's not hard to see at all. Uh, I wonder if... Uh, 
emulation, which is something we never do here, we all play very legitimately, mm -hmm. um, has an effect on visibility. Like, what if on a regular CRT, it appears much darker? It doesn't. I remember this from a kid, and it, the night missions are completely pointless. Well, that's the, that's the case, then. <laughs> okay, so the cutting room floor. Wonderful website, the cutting room floor, uh, tcrf.net. Visit this for all your uh, horrifying needs to know about the ways that games can be data mined, etc. Uh, has some interesting stuff on this. There's some debugging stuff, which is not too out of the ordinary. Uh, I like that the description here is pilot wings lets you fly a biplane, ride a rocket belt, skydive, and then fail miserably at hang gliding, all in glorious mode 7, which <laughs> is very relevant to my experience. Hang gliding is so difficult. It's the hardest, I think. Uh, let's see. There's a If you have debug mode on, there's a way to affect your display. I don't quite know what that does. There's a way to instantly fail by holding select and pressing X. That's something I've always wanted to do. <laughs> uh, there's a way to quote-unquote bribe the instructor, because when the instructor comments on your performance, you can press select to get an extra 100 points. Whoa. Nice. Well, that would have been useful to cheat my way past the hard stages. Just press select to make Big Al cry. And also, this last thing here, uh, it says, with the debugging function or the pro action replay codes, bunch of numbers and letters, uh, the jet heli can be used in a lesson. The instructor states that the player must fly through the two rings. The controls are identical, but the game crashes upon attempting to load the total... Uh, the score total screen. The map crashes the player in the water, and the game over screen will always show zero points. However, with another code, which changes the tile set, the helicopter can be used instead. Though the map is glitchy, the player can win this mission with zero points. As a side note, in an older magazine scan of Dragonfly, an early version of Pilot Wings, the helicopter, then the title's namesake, a Dragonfly-esque futuristic machine, is seen in the third lesson's maps. So... It appears originally that you were going to do a lot more helicopter stuff. Yeah, that's what I was because I, I stumbled across that when I was doing a little bit of research, and it's and we were talking about the helicopter feeling like it was a leftover, and I think it literally is. There was a, a helicopter game that they were making called Dragonfly, and they ended up making pilot wings, but they had this dragonfly stuff left over ish and they just put it in the game in two different missions. It's, it's weird. So basically they made a helicopter game until they realized that's just not very enjoyable and used the same tech to make a bunch of much better mini games. My understanding is there were two games being developed at the same time, dragonfly and flight club. And they basically decided, Oh, well these are, both kind of flight related so let's just merge them into one it looks like they got a lot done on dragonfly then because we got two helicopter missions <laughs> two whole helicopter missions <laughs> maybe they realized they sucked and they were like no i'm not i'm not we're not putting these in yeah i, I suspect they realized this is really difficult uh so let's just throw it in as a final mission in both uh, campaigns. Really difficult and just not enjoyable. Oh, apparently, I'm looking it up now, Dragonfly was uh, then turned into Flight Club, and then it was turned into uh, Pilot Wings. Oh, that's a different narrative entirely. Um, 
Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say that uh, the helicopter missions are, however, very enjoyable to watch on Game Center CX. <laughs> Pay me, Japan. <laughs> uh, oh, one thing I forgot to mention in Vanity is is when your uh, instructor is telling you how to, you know, what you need to do. There's always essentially a one bit, or I guess maybe two bit, whatever. Uh, depiction just in black of the vehicle that you're going to be piloting and it's really nice looking it it it, it looks relatively realistic compared to the game the rest of the game uh it, the helicopter one is definitely people with guns getting in and out of a helicopter so there's certainly a militaristic aspect to it but i i really liked those um but yeah yeah no the, the other thing oh shit i was gonna say something oh fuck it I forgot. Another mystery is what the hell ever happened to Pilot Wings for GameCube, which was announced and then disappeared completely. Rip. 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 That's too bad. Did that turn into Pilot Pilot Wings Resort? I don't know. There's quite a distance between GameCube and 3DS, so I'm not necessarily sure if it Uh, got turned into it. Maybe Pilot Wings got turned into the Wii Sports Resort flight mode. That was uh, really good. It was really good, and it felt very Pilot Wings esque. It makes me wish I had Wii Sports Resort. I only had the original Wii Sports. My Wii is collecting dust somewhere. I don't know where. Oh man, Wii Sports Resort was a way better game. Yeah, the only good thing in Wii Sports was tennis, which was fun if stupid, and bowling, which was fun if stupid. Yeah, I had something to say, but I lost it. Pilot Wings is in many ways the Wii Sports of Aviation. That's a little harsh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's better than Wii Sports, but yeah. Oh, damn it. I spoiled it for the segment. Yeah, it would have been a good bottom line. Oh, well. Uh, I mean, there that does, there is a valid point there in that it is a very much an abstraction of a simulation. Like, it's not really the real thing. It just feels real-ish. I think that the, it that okay. So I'm going back to the theory that these are ex-military or current secret, like you know, black ops sort of people. Uh, I think additionally, the pilot school is a way for them to recruit. Uh, new people into their black ops thing and perhaps the helicopter missions are actually staged uh, although they'll really kill you but they're staged to uh, you know make you feel like you have to do this violent thing and then once that's done they recruit you Tulpa you posted a screenshot that appears to be somebody like a random person saluting some sort of admiral is what is that from the credits what oh is that? that's the that's yeah, that's the credits. Um, oh, this is important to Clint's theory. The credits are: you walk by a bunch of generic soldiers who salute you, and then you walk by all of the flight club members who also salute you, except for Big Al and that guy in the screenshot facing you with the Nintendo logo between the two of you. Is Big Al in full military uniform with a full Stalin haircut and look to him? No, see, I don't think that's Big Al. I think that that's Big Al's. I think Bedal's brother is real and is a real government VIP and is the person who actually runs the agency. But it's how many could let a fuck up like Bedal have a job teaching people how to fly a plane. 
But then yep. where's Big Al? Big Al doesn't show up in the ending at all then. Oh, he's he's not part of the military. He he wasn't invited. Big oh, Al was yeah. never real. Big oh, he's real. He's in your imagination. He's just he's just a motorcycle instructor who asked his brother for a job and uh his brother said, "Sure, motorcycles and planes are basically the same thing." Okay, I'll let that I buy work. it. Yeah, I'm buying this. I still like my slightly more harmless and comedic take on this, that it's not a government conspiracy and it's actually just a bunch of uh, wannabes decided to make a fake uh, academy so they could make some money and accidentally made a legitimately good pilot. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of of things you could apply to this, and I think it speaks to the... uh, Honestly, I think it speaks to the personality of this game and that the instructors have such strong personalities that you want to imply things about them. <laughs> I think that uh, Big Al was a motorcycle instructor slash account or motorcycle, I don't know, rider slash accountant. And that's why he runs the club. So there you go. Okay. So that's, that's the theory. <laughs> it's just a game theory. Um, uh, what else we got for mystery? If Matt Pat sues us, I swear to God, I'll never live it down. <laughs> Who? The 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 guy from the game theorists, you know. It's just a theory. A game theory. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, it's a sensationalist YouTube channel that is like, did you know Mario was actually evil because he kills enemies? It sucks. <laughs> that sounds like it sucks. It's a it's a it's a hate watch. I can't even I can't even do I, that. I love my fellow gamers. <laughs> oh, you guys, do you guys think that Big Al's brother is an older brother or a younger brother? <laughs> older. No, Big Al's brother is definitely the younger brother. I mean, look at Big Al. His life <laughs> has not gone the way he planned on it going. <laughs> medium al then is his brother hate to burst your bubble but the japanese game actually explicitly says it's an older brother oh damn it extra large al it is worth stating though that the other that the brother's name is smell (laughs) medium smell (laughs) oh god uh what else do we have for mystery Wow. That's the end of the mystery section, everybody. And uh, so we're moving on to our next section, which is, of course, the salary man corner, corner, corner. This week, we played a quote-unquote game called uh, Computer Norioku Kaiseki Ultra Baken, which, according to Sakurina, is a betting calculator that has a family mode that lets you bet on CPU races with other local players. Betting on horses, specifically. It's a horse racing game. Uh, I only ask people to play this for, like, five minutes. Oh, by the way, you can check out our new YouTube channel. Just search for Snexploration on YouTube, and I put up a clip of this game. Uh, I, I didn't really do much in it, but that's fine. Um, so, you did narrate it, which, which gives it that Snexploration charm, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did stupid voices too, which is always good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what do we think of this quote-unquote game? 
I uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't even touch it. <laughs> I I watched Clint's little five minute playthrough of it, and I heard Sakarina's explanation of it, and I was like, I suddenly don't have time to play this for five minutes. <laughs> I played it for five minutes at the start of this podcast without seeing any kind of explanation, and I watched a horse race happen, and then I stopped. I don't. I, I don't understand it. Uh, the sprite work is pretty nice, I guess. I watched Clint go through it, and I saw that he got to a calculator for horses, like some kind of calculator that you can do horse. math. You can do math for all dimensions of a horse. And I was like, you know, it's in Japanese, so I couldn't tell which horse dimensions were under consideration. But the very fact that there are that many things you can quantify about a horse. Really Teeth is a big up. one. <laughs> I want this horse to have 300 teeth. <laughs> Too yeah. many teeth. So this game, like, I, I've, quote, played other betting calculators on the Wonderswan that are much more complete than this one. Uh, the one on the Wonderswan is actually kind of nuts because it's basically an entire mathematical programming environment on the Wonderswan, whereas this one, uh, you can't write custom algorithms for determining uh, the odds of whether or not you should bet on a specific horse. Instead, the algorithm is baked into the Super Nintendo uh, cartridge, and you can only input the data, and then it chews it up for you and tells you which horse is likely to win. Um, and there are two data input modes. There's the perfect data input mode for people who want to spend a lot of time uh, typing in numbers into their uh, Super Nintendo, or there's a speed mode, which lets you do quick input. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the distinction is. I haven't really bothered. Um, and yeah, there's a cool little uh, family mode where you can, instead of inputting data into your Super Nintendo, uh, you can instead just play simulated races and you and your family can... Uh, up to four players with the multi-tap, bet on races, and get results on how good you are at betting on horses. Wonderful, wonderful. I wanna... Wait, wait. What is the way to play uh, the family mode is to get your family together and bet in real life on the horses in your uh, Super Nintendo game? You have to bet your real-world allowances. Yes, exactly. Your real-world allowances. And uh, eventually, your family just becomes organized crime. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the two warning screens at the start of the game actually tell you not to do that. But I guess nothing is really keeping you from doing it. Also, a fun aside is that uh, one year, my cousin and I went up to go visit uh, her dad. And he lives in the middle of nowhere in Canada. So it's like really up North. There's a bunch of snow. There's a bunch of people doing snowmobile stuff, but not much else. There's a general store to give you an idea of what the biggest attraction in town is. <laughs> and we had literally nothing to do that winter except watch horse races on his satellite TV and pretend bet on horses. So this reminded me of this quite a bit. That's wonderful. That's Wait, wonderful. But I didn't, read the war all so how can it be my fault that i now have a criminal betting organization <laughs> and a and a deep debt <laughs> i want to watch your know better i want to watch the yakuza movie where it's just like a bunch of gangsters that are all holding like 
bloody like serious bets on this game you know like they're all just getting together in a room with a super famicom and like putting all their bets on these digital horses starring takashi kitano isn't there an anime about that like i feel like that's probably a segment in kaiji (laughs) i i want to ask a question about that wonder swan game because you said it's essentially a programmable like horse calculator hi I'm Clint, and I'd like to say programmable horse calculator. Anyway, <laughs> do you think you could do like a, a, a an overflow on that somehow, and then hack the Wonder Swan? Because I'm th- those are the kinds of things you could usually do uh, weird overflows. Like they they had one on the 3ds. It was essentially a programming language, and you could use that to hack your 3ds. So do do you think that's a thing? Maybe, although you don't really need to use backdoors to hack into the Wonder Swan. Uh, specifically because that had the Wonder Witch, which was an officially distributed development kit for the Wonder Swan. So you could just make your own games that way instead. Fuck. That's so good. Um, <laughs> all right. And cool. none of you people bought it. So that's why it failed. Oh, man. That sounds really good, though. I would have gotten a Wonder Swan as a kid if I'd known about it at all whatsoever. I really wanted a game.com, actually. I would definitely have wanted a Wonder Swan as a kid because I would have wanted it. I, I just want an engage. Same. <laughs> That's what we all want deep down. Everyone wants to engage with their fellow humans. Um, I actually have an engage t shirt. <laughs> I had an engage fan site called Engage Live, and it is super embarrassing to admit this. But nobody Whoa. ever visited it because I was the only Engage fan. I Exclusive. Can... That is truly on brand for both you, Sakarina, and Tulpa. This is very on brand. <laughs> okay, I think that's it for Salaryman Corner this week. Thanks for joining us on this uh, computer journey. Let's uh, move on. Let's go back. Brought to you by Nokia, the creators of the Engage. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, let's let's think back. Remember, what game were we playing? Oh, yes, it was Pilot Wings, and we're moving on to our next section, which is poetry. So this game has, like, not a lot of text, but what it does have is pretty nice. Uh, what do we have for poetry? You guys want to hear Big Al's biography in the manual? (laughs) Yes, please. Yes. Big Al has the most experience of all the instructors. Bullshit. Uh, His superior flight techniques are used for reviewing basics on our most difficult course. He looks tough, but some claim to have seen his tears. (laughs) I I love that little bit of foreshadowing. It's like if you do really good, you can see his tears. And when you win the game, you can see its tears as well. Well, you have to do really good to win the game. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, go on. (laughs) Uh, So I have a favorite line from the game. I don't know why it calls to me so much. Uh, I I can't remember the instructor's name, Uh, but she says on her expert stage, I hate rain. I feel... Surely. I hate rain. I feel damp down to my bones. I don't know why. I, I love that line. 
Well, it's a certain it's a, personification of this character. Like it's humanizing. Like they do, they do a couple of weird things like that. It's cute. It's visceral. It's visceral. I can feel the rain as I play this game, damp down to my bones. I like my bones. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I like when Tony has an angry face, but never says anything angry because he's the Diddy Kong. And I like when he looks angry and just says, the rings are now smaller than before. Like, he's just so pissy at you for fucking it up, but he's not going to say anything. He's going to give you some advice. I like that. It's passive aggressive. That's pretty good. It's the manual says that he has gentle manners that allow him to get the most out of timid beginners that I don't know. Yeah, he sounds pretty passive aggressive to me. Does anyone want to hear the names of the Japanese versions of the characters? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So one of the things that stood out to me when I was watching the Game Center CX episodes way early uh, is that like they they refer to the instructor names uh, instructors by their last name and i thought there was a somewhat coincidental overlap in uh, the starting syllables of their names so uh, tony is fumiya tanaka but he's only referred to as tanaka in game and that means they both start with a t uh, shirley is ran shiraichi which means shiraichi starts with shir like shirley um, and then I was like, oh, is this going to be the same way for all of the characters in the game? Unfortunately, no. Those are the only two that have some sort of overlap. However, there are some shocking names, especially when it comes to Lance, which is Indy Scott in the Japanese version. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Indy Scott. What a great name. And Big Al is Tobei Kuroda. He is referred to as Kuroda in-game, uh, which is a kind of menacing name-ish. It's the, what you would expect from a sort of bad guy. Um, now moving on to the Evil Syndicate. I'm pretty sure the Evil Syndicate is only called that way as a censorship measure uh, from Nintendo of America because in Japan it was called Mayaku Syndicate, which is Narcotic Syndicate. Wow. Cigarette companies kidnapped your friends. <laughs> so this is actually a Contra spinoff. <laughs> yeah is it so, because narcotic has the word contra in it <laughs> uh, no i know making a reference to uh uh all of those contra scandals in the 70s many oh. of which involved uh latin american drug trades but yeah so uh it's probably because Nintendo didn't want to talk about drugs in a game that is rated. Uh, well, I don't even think ESRB ratings were commonplace at that time, but that was aiming for a general public release. Uh, and in general, like I don't think Nintendo really liked to acknowledge that kind of stuff in any of their games. So there you go. Those are the facts from the Japanese version. And as far as I know, there are no variations in the biographies of for the characters so there's not like alternate stories to the characters or anything in the japanese version they are pretty much literal translations of what one second before read earlier oh uh, i did find the my favorite line of, in the game while looking through my screenshots i'm uploading it now you know what you <laughs> did i will say no more <laughs> So That's I'm looking fun. through the manual for some more details about our heroes here, and uh, I just noticed that it tells you the ages of each of these people. Do you guys want to guess their ages? What do you guys think Tony's age is? I bet uh, he's 29. 
I'm betting Tony is uh, 20. 24. He's 22. Oh. I think, who was closest? We split the difference, you and me. Ah, as expected <laughs> of my eternal Bible. Uh, how old do you guys think Shirley is? 12. Oh, she, she is 19. <laughs> I'm going to say 22. 24. She's older than you all thought. Oh, wow. Hey, oh. That's surprisingly. Yeah. Now, here's the most important one. How old do you think Lance is? Ooh, I know this one, and you should all know this because I sent it in the invitation, so I'm not going to say it. He's got to be 34. Yeah, 34 or 35. He is age unknown. Age unknown. What? Oh, I forgot about that. Age unknown. Okay, last one. How old do you think Big oh, Al, the Donkey killed. Kong of the group, is? <laughs> 41 and a half. Uh, I gotta say 42. Tw- 29. 29? Come on, get serious, Tulpa. <laughs> He's 49. Ooh. <sighs> you you prices righted me and you beat me, Curry. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Tony and Lance's ages are different in the Japanese version. Tony is 28 and Lance actually has an age uh, 31. Hmm. Oh, weird. I wonder well, why. So, when I guessed 29 for both of them, I would have been right for the closest for the Japanese version. Probably. But you didn't say the ages in Japanese, so it doesn't count. <laughs> uh, he got you. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> Uh, what else? I, uh, when you so you have the option of uh, turning down the uh, helicopter mission, and it says yes or no, or or eventually no, you should go. But it's a Dragon Quest, but thou must situation in which he will always tell you to go. This is where you learn that uh, <laughs> Weird Al, uh, Big Al, is not uh, licensed. He's he just is licensed for motorcycles, and he also says, "I forgot." chickens cannot fly which is pretty fucking good i don't know if he's like dunking on you by being like oh right i forgot chickens can't fly or if he's saying that about himself (laughs) i prefer to think that uh he's actually saying it about himself but because he has to maintain this tough persona he's making it sound like he's talking about you it's his moment of vulnerability oh the game's deep Donkey Kong. Another thing that Big Al says in the manual only that is very good, uh, and this is the last thing I have from the manual. Um, so when you go through each section, there's a little tutorial on each vehicle that you can fly, and a different um, uh, instructor gives you a different bit of advice in each category. And they're mostly like, you know, a whole paragraph long of uh, tips about the best way to pilot your vehicle. But then when you get to the helicopter, Big Al's the guy that gives you advice, and his advice just says, don't crash. God damn it, Big Al. You're not helpful, and this is very telling. You don't know how to fly anything, you idiot. It's very clear that he does not have his helicopter license. (laughs) Try not to crash. It goes, hi, I'm Big Al. I love helicopters. (laughs) The big spinnies make you go, hi, Big Al. (laughs) Look at those big things spin. I'm Big Al. <laughs> you know I am. Uh, big Al loves the... Go ahead. 
Sorry, I was just going to say, you know, I wore the penguin suit once. <laughs> Big Al loves the whirly bird. <laughs> Big Al, currently dressed as a penguin, says to you, I love the whirly bird. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> what else do we have for uh, poetry? Oh, I have a thing. I always do this. I'm like, what else do we have? Oh, wait, I remembered something. Anyway, um, I really like that they give you, after every like set of missions, they give you a license. And the license has a number on it, because of course it does. And the, the number is actually your password, which is cute. It feels, again, that arcadey version of real life, where it's like, yeah, license numbers are a real thing, but you can also use this in the game itself. I, I felt like that was somewhat poetic. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I said I was done with the manual, but I actually wasn't because good. they have a good way of uh, bringing, you know, how every Super Nintendo game basically has a little demo that plays. If you leave it, uh, you don't touch the controller. The attract mode. Yeah, the attract mode. Exactly. So uh, this is the first time I've ever seen a game try to contextualize the attract mode as like in world, because in the manual, it says, a demo flight by a flight club staff member begins if you remain on the title screen. Observe this demo flight and make sure to study the controller operation for your own use later while playing an actual game. That's kind of wonderful. And also, yeah, the, the attract mode, the demo mode, shows you a controller on screen and shows you exactly what they're doing, which is the first time in memory, uh, in my memory of seeing that. I'm sure other games have done it before that, but I thought that was really cool. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at the attract mode right now. Yeah, this is super cool. This uh this just contributes to the really relaxed atmosphere of the game that they even just show you how you're supposed to control this game. Yeah, it's kind of uh, wonderful. Uh so my only remaining bit of poetry is that the uh rocket patch stages you can uh, you are required to pass through uh, bars of lights. And when you do, it just says bar passed. So you become a lawyer in the course of this game. And that <laughs> has a poetry to it. <laughs> <laughs> did Did anybody try to fly like just in a straight line away from the map at any point? Because I, I regret not doing that. Oh, man, I should have done that. I bet that's how you get to the minus world. <laughs> <laughs> it's how you get to the the secret uh island in the golden eye <laughs> um i considered it at one point when i was in the plane and i was like uh i'm not sure this game is gonna tell me anything and i don't have the time to do this right now unfortunately really should have started playing this earlier this time i was the coward rice <laughs> Knowing what I do about how Mode 7 works, in theory, there should have to be an invisible wall around there. Otherwise, Mode 7 sort of stops working. Could it potentially loop around, though? Like, could it, it put you on the other side of the map like they do in um, Final Fantasy 4 or whatever that is? Uh, well, they could do that, but it wouldn't really make sense because the map doesn't repeat itself it's like a solid colored background on the edges of the map sucker in it doesn't make sense in any game for them to do that because the world's the world is flat mm, this is true 
<laughs> okay, I just tried it out. If you go too far, you get an out of course message and fail immediately. Uh, yeah. I'll put the screenshot uh, in because it's another bit of poetry. You shouldn't have gone that far. <laughs> if you fly, if you fly too far away, then your instructors will shoot you down. <laughs> like that's our plane. Don't run off with it. <laughs> Maybe this flight club is in enemy territory. Oh God! Oh, you're actually a prisoner of war. <laughs> <laughs> this is deep lore. <laughs> and the the way of punishing you, of torturing you, of trying to get information out of you is to have you hang glide. Which is the most excruciating experience on Earth. It is pretty bad. <laughs> and terrifying. Can you, uh, real, hang, real hang gliders. They exist for real. Can't imagine doing that. It's one step above a squirrel selves. Yeah, why would you do that to yourself? This is how you torture a prisoner if you have no morals or ethics. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, any other poetry stuff? Things? I looked on game FAQs and... Uh, I did not actually find that much wild stuff, except that the message board is surprisingly populated. Weird. Um, there are a lot of threads and posts in this message board. People are still talking about pilot wings, which is kind of cool. Um, I found one thread called Pilot's Lounge that was started in um, 2009. And the same two people have been posting in that one thread like once a week for nine years. Oh my god, that's kind of beautiful. Holy shit, that's sort of amazing, yeah. Oh, actually, I do have another bit of poetry. It's just one of the other, one of the many things I liked about how this game is uh, presented. Uh, every time you pass a lesson and uh, you are given a new class of license, uh, you get a uh, license number, and that is, in fact, the password you use to uh, start at that lesson again. Yeah, no, it's cool. I like it. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I just like uh, that they went out of their way their way to make as much of this experience uh, diegetic as possible. Yeah, definitely. That is cool. All right. I think we're good then with poetry. Um, so let's move on to our, our, our final section, uh, which is, of course, harmony. And this is where we usually give our, our bottom line reviews, but I do want to say that I do feel like this game is harmonious. At no point do I feel uh, it like there's parts of it that don't belong. I say that because I don't remember the helicopter stage. missions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, every, I start thinking about this game, and I'm like, oh, all these wonderful things. And then my thought process is interrupted by those fucking terrible, awful helicopter missions <laughs> so other than that perfectly harmonious and wonderful but yeah do we have do we have any bottom just like oh, real life ahead. pretty just like real life pretty great except for the helicopters fucking yeah <laughs> except for those helicopters just in terms of helicopters hate helicopters they're loud I see them in my dreams and they're usually cops when I was a kid I pronounced the word helicopter as heptacopter <laughs> 
you pronounce it much harder than the actual word helicopter is. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I don't know what I was thinking when I was three. What an asshole. <laughs> I was such a little <laughs> asshole. You can't just change the language. Yeah, come on. It's set in was... stone. <laughs> Wait, what's the opposite of prescriptivism? Descriptivism. I was an unscriptivist. <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of prescriptivism is, but I said descriptivism sounds good. I was a post postscriptivist. Uh, des- descriptivism is actually the usual uh, opposite. Oh yeah, you're totally right. Descriptive versus prescriptive. Oh, I got it. I did a thing. I'm smart. Subscriptivism. Sub- Remember to subscriptivist and like our video. <laughs> Um, so I only have one bottom line for this that I've written down, but it, it's really just this game is just a pure fucking nostalgia uh, heroin into my veins. But uh, Pilot Wings is hanging out with my dad in the summer. That's all it will ever be to me. Pilot Wings is packing an airplane into your blunt <laughs> <laughs> and smoking what? it up. Pilot Wings is a landing you can walk away from. Pilot oh, that's wings. pretty good. Pilot Wings is the Vaporwave Flight School. Pilot Wings is Blue Skies Forever. Pilot Wings is Age Unknown. Pilot Wings is getting in a penguin suit, diving outside of a pool, hitting the concrete, and leaving a penguin-shaped hole in the ground forever. Pilot Wings is not licensed for helicopters. Pilot Wings is licensed for heptacopters. <laughs> Pilot Wings is propaganda for chemtrails. <laughs> Going way out there. Pilot Wings is proof the Earth is flat. Can't see no curve on that horizon. Pilot Wings is licking a map of the globe and it tastes like strawberries. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh yeah, pilot wings is is being able to talk to your instructor uh after crashing your plane into the ground at the highest speed possible. And they just sort of generally chastise you. That's pilot wings is you crash and it's just a little chastisement. Pilot wings is a hang glider stomping on a human face forever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I love this game, though. I really do. We haven't had hardly anything bad to say about this game because it doesn't have helicopter stages. This game actually is really good. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I had never played it before this podcast, and uh, I found myself wanting to play more, like, this morning. I was like, wow, that was actually a good time. Yeah, I would revisit it. I want to give it a fair shake. Um, since I didn't have a, a very relaxed uh, situation to be playing it before. We've been playing a lot of good games lately. It seems very uncharacteristic of us. We played this. We played Earthbound. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Ranger X is all right. Uh, we never played Ranger X. This is a super. Yeah, what are you podcast. talking about? That never happened. I've never heard of the Sega Genesis. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of Giga Geno Kataro. That's what I meant. That's what you meant. Mm-hmm. They're very similar sounding. That? Oh, go ahead. No, that's it. They just sound similar, obviously. What are all the good games we've played? There were the ones that Courier listed, and there were also 
Arabism is good. I still swear that it's good. I missed out on Arabism, fortunately. Or wait, no, I actually think I played that and I was bad at it. So I unfortunately was not able to get into it. Uh, we always have our episode zero. Soul Blazer. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think the canonical list of good games we have played would be uh, probably Soul Blazer, maybe Drift King, uh, Matoko Chan Wonder Kitchen, which is wonderful, Aerobiz, Clock Tower, uh, Earthbound, and Pilot Wings. I think that's the canonical list. I don't think I've missed anything there. Bomberman 2 was fine, but there's a million Bomberman games. Bomberman so. 2 was great. I'm going to suplex you. <laughs> yeah, Bomberman 2 was good. I am still a defender of Cyber Knight 2 just because I think it's interesting enough to qualify as good, even if it's flawed. Oh, that oh, one's I good. Absolutely, I absolutely include Cyber Knight 2, yeah. I missed that one. Yeah, no, Cyber Knight 2 is, is really good, and that's actually one of my favorite episodes. So I'm obligated to like it since I dedicated 16 hours to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I have one more bottom line review. Um, Pilot Wings is Aerobiz under revolutionary socialism. Everyone can fly a plane. That is good. I, I was just trying to go with uh, Pilot Wings 2 is uh, an Aerobiz minigame. <laughs> I like that. I, I mean, Pilot Wings is the ratatouille of flying. That's my take. I... <laughs> <laughs> I want someone to combine Aerobiz and uh, Pilot Wings so that you're in control of the airport and the airplanes. I want somebody to combine Aerobiz and Clock Tower so you're running an airline, but you're also running from a, a person with giant scissors all the time. I want someone to mix uh, Clock Tower and Pilot Wings so that you're constantly flying away from Scissor Man. <laughs> Oh, but then he turns out to be in the back seat of the plane. Oh, no. Oh, no. And your flight instructor is his mother. Oh, no. Okay. You know what you did. <laughs> I will say no more. You shouldn't have gone that far. I want someone to combine pilot wings and Motoko Chano Wonder Kitchen so that I can eat the airplane. <laughs> It just dispenses mayonnaise from the skies. Oh, yeah. As you're flying around, there's just globs of mayo falling out onto the ground below you. You know, someone's actually firing at the uh, anti-air turrets on the helicopter stages. Ew, yeah. That's why they explode. They're just like, hit the self-destruct. There's mayo coming. (laughs) You know, somebody ate an airplane once, though, right? Like, this isn't a joke. I'm not joking. Somebody ground up and ate an entire airplane over, like, two or three years. Like, this is, this is something that happened. Say that's a, like, I was going to say it, it'd be fairly filling to do it all at once. <laughs> it took a no, while. I did hear this. They, like, took it apart and they ate it piece by piece. Was it good? Scrumptious. <laughs> Michael Loti- Mikel Lotito uh has eaten everything from bicycles to an entire Cessna 150 airplane. So there you go. Fucking Tetsuo Iron Man over there. <laughs> Tetsuo Iron Chef. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh any other any other harmony har- harmony 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 
Harmony? If you wanted to turn the entire Earth into a pilot wings map, map, do you know which projection you'd have to use? Mercator projection. Mercator projection. <laughs> I don't actually <laughs> get this reference. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it either. I've been <laughs> I've been staying really silent about it, hoping no one would notice that I didn't get it, but I I just didn't get it. I mean, there's nothing to get. <laughs> Except that the Mercator projection is the worst possible it's projection really- of the globe onto a flat surface, and so the north and south becomes very distorted. That's the Mercator projection. It's really brave of you to admit that you don't understand Mercator proje- projection. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, obviously the Mercator projection it can is... can come a- out to my family that I don't know what a Mercator projection is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> Curry, do we have a bonus category? We do. This one was actually come up by one second before. Yay! I'm sticking to it because I thought it was a pretty good idea. Um, one second before his idea was that we share what real-life lessons we've learned from the games we've played on this podcast. So the example was that I did learn how to hang glide, uh, fly a plane, fly a helicopter, and parachute from playing this game, and jetpack. And and I learned from Aerobiz that running an airline is fairly difficult, but could be done perfectly with practice. Uh, yeah. Cyber Knight 2 taught me the horrors of war, and I'll never be the same. Pilot Wings actually also taught me the important lesson that you don't need to be licensed to be a flight instructor. <laughs> Drift King taught me that I probably took the right uh, decision when I decided not to get a driver's license. Motoko Chan No Wonder Kitchen taught me that mayonnaise is delicious and we should all consume it all the time by the spoonful. It did teach me the difference between Japanese mayo and American mayo, which I didn't even know was a thing. Battlecross taught me how to astral project out of my body during a race. <laughs> Battlecross taught me how to use uh, that that streaming software we use, which I've forgotten the name of. Parsec. Still <laughs> haven't gotten a, a sponsorship from them, motherfuckers. Tetris That's two a good me. way to get a sponsorship. <laughs> Tetris, Sorry, go on. <laughs> Tetris two taught me about the limits of human suffering. <laughs> Tetris two taught me that there's a real fine line between hate and love. There's a real similarity between Tetris 2 and Cyber Knight 2, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I like Cyber Knight (laughs) 2. Yeah, that's the one difference. The one difference. Sim Ant taught me that there's no limit to what a single ant can do. Yeah, the other day I was looking at an anthill and I saw a luminescent yellow ant crawl out. And I was like, I know what that's all about. I relate to that. Earthbond taught me how to love. God damn it, that was going to be what I said, except about oh. days before Christmas. <laughs> days before Christmas taught me that Santa Claus has a real hidden rage inside of him, and it doesn't take much for him to just start fucking people up. Does anyone remember the ending of Snakes on a Plane where Keenan is like, the whole movie, he's like playing a Game Boy or something. And then at the end, he's like, 
I know how to fly a plane. I played this video game because the pilot like got bit by a snake or something. So Keenan goes up, he flies the plane, he lands it successfully, and he's a hero. Now that could be any one of us. A pilot being bitten by a snake. That seems so familiar. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I'm sorry. It's snakes on a plane. Just, I was just, what? <laughs> That's what we're talking about. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> and I, I want to issue a... <laughs> I spaced out, I guess. I thought you were talking about something else. I just want to mention that uh, the... <laughs> The, the thing I was, fucked up everything. I'm so sorry. I'm leaving this podcast forever. <laughs> that was hilarious. I loved that. <laughs> um, no, the th- sorry. I do remember that from Snakes on a Plane, and very specifically, he says he has like 2,000 flight hours or something, but he's never landed a plane. He always puts it on. You know, he quits before he has to land it, so he still somehow successfully lands it, which just really teaches me that video games will teach you everything you need to know about life. It's so true. So, God damn it! (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. So is pilot. Oh fuck! I never mind. Oh, sorry. My 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 talk was stuck. I wasn't trying to interrupt you. No, I know. I just couldn't say those syllables in the correct order, so it frustrated me. <laughs> Fair enough. Gege no Kitaro taught me that me and Curry approach games very differently. <laughs> That's a pretty good lesson. Uh, F1 ROC Race of Champions, aka Exhaust Heat, taught me that sometimes nostalgia has no standards. <laughs> F1 Race of Champions taught me that cars can drive on water. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The field of anthropology has made great strides due to the work of prehistoric man. (laughs) Prehistoric man taught me that it's not Chuck Rock. End of podcast. No, keep going. (laughs) All the Salaryman Corner games taught me that Mahjong is actually pretty good. Mr. Tuff taught me that some crimes cannot be forgiven. <laughs> Mr. Tough taught me that it's just fine to walk around in like a nuclear wasteland as long as you're made of metal. Earthbound taught me that eating garlic makes you stronger. And that you won't get through your teen years without at least one egg. Oof. I, we've learned a lot. I gotta say, I'm very proud of us. I think that this podcast has been very uh, educational for all of us. Edifying. That's the word I was looking for. Wait, did Plot Tower teach us anything? I feel like we have not learned any lessons from Clock Tower. I mean, I learned from Clock Tower that... Oh God! What was the fucking movie? Why can't I remember the phenomena? That phenomena, phenomena. is a, yeah. That phenomena is an amazing movie, and Jennifer Connelly is like an angel sent from on high. What was the movie called again? Phenomena. Phenomena. Connelly. Argento. <laughs> We all did a good joke there. 
We learned nothing from Super Pinball 2. I gotta say that's true. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. We did learn about Shire Juice. That's fine. And, uh, I think, and I think we mentioned everything else. Oh, and Gun Force. That Contra is not nearly as easy to make as it looks like. Oh, wait. We learned about the nub from Jester Cheetah. Oh, yeah. Nub. That was a really valuable lesson that will never leave me. Listen, I I have not climbed a ladder the same way since playing Gun Force. <laughs> Wasn't the nub thing like actually from some fan fiction? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was yeah. it was the nub. Yeah. So we really did learn a lot from that. People want to know how Chester fuck, and the truth is that he's got the nub. That's all we he need to know. He does his best. He's got like a more pestle ass. I'm sorry, we really shouldn't revisit that topic. <laughs> Probably not, but that's all right. All right, well, I think that was a very successful mystery topic. Thank you one second before. That was wonderful. <laughs> Anytime. All right. Uh, oh, hold on. I need to do a, a, a break here. Hold on. There we go. I've been breaking it up into segments. Anyway, uh, well, I think that's it for this podcast. Um, hey, everybody, where can people find you if they want more of you? I'm Courier Rice. You can find me on the selectbutton.net forums as Courier Rice. You can find me on Twitter as Courier Rice. You can find me on all the different corners of the earth as Courier Rice. Uh, and I run the snexploration.tumblr.com microblog where you can send all of your inappropriate anon messages to and I will probably be upset about them. But Mostly be happy to answer them. I'm one second before, also known as one second before on the select button dot net forum. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost said dot com. That was a close one. Uh, and also I'm on Twitter at un segundo ante un segundo antes. I do not tweet very often. I just made the account and the more people follow me, the more likely I am to actually use it. So follow me. I'm Sakarina. You can find me on Twitter at Sakarina. And you can find me on YouTube where I'm not posting Wonderswan chronological uh, updates because my emulator is having trouble keeping up with the state of Wonderswan game development. No. Oh, no. And I am Talpa. You can find me on Twitter as Memorius Talpa. You can probably find selectbutton.net. And you can recently find on um, No Rangers about the D&D selectbutton.net guide and podcast where I am the dungeon master. And you can also find me Twitch streaming as uh, sometimes. And because it cut out, uh, it's the podcast is No Rangers Allowed and you're on, on Twitch as Tupler, T-U-P-P-L-E-R, right? Right? Did I get that right? Yes. Excellent. Yeah, the No Rangers Allowed podcast is still my favorite uh, podcast. I, I look forward to it every week. Uh, Cuba's uh, computer broke, and so there was no uh, episode for like a month, and I was I was jonesing hard. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I've been Virtual Clint. You can find me on Twitter at Virtual Clint. Uh, I don't tweet a whole lot, honestly. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch at Virtual Clint, and I'm on the select button forums as Virtual Clint. Um, if you like this podcast... Spread the word. 
I don't pay for advertising. We don't have enough money for that. So the only people who listen to this are people that you know. Uh, so tell your jetpack instructor, tell your shady black ops brother, or you could just tweet about us, about us, about us, tweet about us, <laughs> shout our names at the faceless masses. There's a lot of them. And surely somebody that you sort of kind of know will love to hear about our podcast and, and love to hear it. I said podcast. Just because someone has no face doesn't mean they can't listen to a podcast. Exactly. You don't need a face. All you need is ears. Should we, should we claim a like hashtag or something so that like uh, we can find out who, if, if anyone has been about us? That's a great point. If you tweet about us, put in the hashtag Snexploration, SN Exploration. And, uh, you know, we love you. <laughs> and then we get some sweet metrics. Um, so, yeah. And as always, for more inane video game discussion, jump into the selectbutton.net forums. I skipped ahead. I missed some stuff. We have a website. Go to SNES.Zone, SNES.Zone. Links to our Twitter feed, which is where you can vote for our games, uh, as well as the Tumblr that Courier mentioned already. We've got short bios for everybody who's ever been on the podcast and social media links as well. So if you can't remember short words, you can just go to the, the website and find us there. So uh, the next podcast will be up either on May 4th or the 11th, depending on stuff and things. Uh, I'm out of town for a little bit, so this is it, it may be a Curry-only uh, podcast as far as hosts uh, and it just depends on when that gets edited so um, anyway uh, now it's time to find out what three games you'll be voting on next if you hurry to our twitter at SN exploration you should be able to catch the last hours of the vote really the last days the, the way that I keep delaying things anyway the next three games up for the decision are Ooh. I know get get hype because we're back. I always forget I always forget that you do this, and then I always get really excited when you do. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're back on our bullshit here, because the next <laughs> three games, you've got Nigel Mansell F1 Challenge. Oh, no. Nigel Insell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Spin Dizzy Worlds. Mm. Which is like a weird puzzle sort of game thing. It's, a, it's, it's an odd ball, and I'm into that. Or Sengoku Densho, which is a beat em up. No, no. more beat em ups. <laughs> I am not, not editorializing. <laughs> I'm not editorializing, but it is a terrible arcade port, according to the one Japanese review listed on Wikipedia. So there you go. I can't take any more of those. <laughs> So there you so go. So we're going to be punished into playing it because we have dared besmirch the good name of beat em ups. Oh, no. Exactly. Well, uh, Spin Dizzy Worlds looks great, though. It looks like a weird Marble Madness knockoff. Yeah, Spin Dizzy World looks looks pretty interesting. But yeah, we had a, we had a good run. We had two very good games. And now we're back. We're back to this Nexploration brand. Curry jinxed us by talking about it on the show. It's all Curry's fault. Wait, what did I do? Jinxed us. <laughs> you jinxed us. <laughs> he talked about how, how good the games we've been playing are, and now we have to play Spin Dizzy Worlds. Ah, uh, yes, that's why. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm down for that anyway. Bad games are good games. Bad games are good games. This is exploration motto. Bad games are good games. Good games are also good games. Right. Anyway, that's it. Um, (laughs) 
Uh, until next time, it's not Microsoft Flight Simulator X. It's- you asshole. I was going to say that. <laughs> it's all, not, let's be real. We all were. Yeah. No, I wasn't. It's not Sky Odyssey. It's not, not explain. It's not Sim Heptacopter. <laughs> it's not. Gungrave. It's not Crimson Skies. It's not Ace Combat. It's not Crimson Skies, High Road to Revenge. <laughs> okay, now you're cheating. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it's not Urban Strike, which is actually relevant. And the Red Baron. And, as always, it's not Chuck Rock. I feel like I have I, I feel like I say things like I have a good radio voice but also don't have a good radio voice. That's that's what I'm doing. And there. I like that you I like that you say things that are not cool with that voice. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Schnabubula for allowing the use of his incredible song, Playing Super Mario World While Taking Mushrooms. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Bye-bye.